I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. Joining us today from the LA area is Jody McKinley, Executive Vice President of Global Revenue and Music at Song Trader. Song Trader is the largest music licensing platform in the world with music used by Netflix, Disney, Fox, Ford, and more. Song Trader's global marketplace for music licensing connects the music artists to film, TV, brands, and other media. The Song Trader platform also empowers music makers with tools and services to manage and monetize their music, including distribution to all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Music. Song Trader is headquartered in Santa Monica, California, with offices in New York City, London, Paris, and Singapore. Song Trader has been featured in publications including Forbes, Los Angeles Times, and Market Watch. Jody is the head of revenue and music teams for Song Trader. In addition to his extensive background in the music and media world, he has served as an advisor for a number of music tech startups and is an active volunteer and civic leader. Welcome to the show, Jody. Thanks, Mindy. Glad to be here with you. Glad to have you. The topic of today's episode falls into the category of how we're affected by music without being aware of it. We're talking about how background music affects our purchasing, particularly in dining and retail for purposes of this episode. Whether we're at Target, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, or Chick-fil-A, we are probably being subconsciously influenced by music to eat faster, eat slower, purchase more items, or purchase higher-end items if the business is intentional with our marketing. Tell us about some of the characteristics of music that are considered in selecting music for marketing purposes. Well, I have a background both directly in the in the background music space, uh, having worked for a couple of companies in that particular arena, as well as you know now music used for synchronization, which for clarity is music that's used in in the background of television, film, the background of advertising. So I think it depends. It really depends on application. And, you know, what, what the intent is, obviously the music used for advertising is a much smaller uh, amount of time to be used and, and used effectively where the background music space is, um, is really a, a, a very long form, mm-hmm. uh, and will change throughout the course of the day, uh, and even day of the week, depending on the venue, uh, mm-hmm. or the, the brand. So, you know, I think with, with regards to focusing in on background music or, the, the, the music used inside of restaurants and retails, uh, hotels, fitness facilities. So I think it's it's interesting uh, for, for anybody that doesn't come from the space. If, if you think about or are more conscious of every time you walk into an environment, there's typically music that's uh, – that's playing. And, and we would often comment that uh, if you don't know that it's going on in the background or it's not – you're not actively aware of it, it probably is more right than it is sure. otherwise because it's um, – oftentimes when you do recognize the music in the background, it's it's because it's a distraction to the yeah. experience that you're having. It's kind so, of clashing with the rest of the ambiance of the environment. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that works and, and sometimes it doesn't. Just a, a, a quick aside on that. Um, I think it was very, very intentional. I was at a French restaurant in New York with some friends and, and uh, they were playing old school New York hip hop, you know, from, uh, from, from the 1980s and 90s. And mm. whatever reason, it worked. Uh, but it, very, it was a very jarring experience. Yeah. At the end of the night, though, it was, uh, uh, it was, was actually quite enjoyable. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> 
So I imagine volume is something that's considered tempo, how fast or slow the music is, if it's major, minor mode. Yeah, absolutely. All of those, uh, all of those have an impact on, you know, what is played and, and, you know, the background music, uh, space, everybody who competes in that space and, and provides a service there, there is, um, there's a, a pretty extensive, you know, music curation. It's been called audio architecture of, of, okay. uh, individuals who are very familiar with music, but they're using systems to be able to identify, well, this is, uh, this is an appropriate track for what we're attempting to achieve. And those things like, you know, music has often been, been used to turn tables faster. It's, uh, you know, it's a known practice in the space. Uh, I think the <laughs> having uh, a conversation of, a while back with the QSR that said it was fast music and uncomfortable seating. If we wanted to move people through the the dining room faster, you know they've they've since changed their mind about the the experience. But that was definitely for that particular brand. That was something that they used to to move people in and out of the dining room very quickly. Okay, and if they wanted to move somebody in and out, did you say it's loud music, fast music, fast music, faster paced music? Is, okay is oftentimes used to you know speed up whatever activity there may be. Okay. And that's, that's true of shopping and dining. Okay. And then the opposite is probably true, too. If you're in a non-fast food setting, more of a fine dining establishment, they want you to stick around longer, the music may tend to be slower, softer. Yeah, and it also is adds to the calm environment as well. If you think about going to a fine dining establishment or what that experience is, it is oftentimes much slower paced uh, or tempoed music. It's perhaps instrumental. It's uh, it's intended to to be calming and, and to uh, accompany the pace of a of a meal that you would have in that type of environment. Okay. What about major and minor? How big of a player is that? Does minor music tend to seem more sad and moody and make people buy more? You know, I don't have any data on that specifically, and frankly, I. I don't know how much that is is in fact used. It's a, it's interesting to think about it, but uh, I don't I don't know that I can speak directly to the effects of major and minor chords in, in the background or, or in, in a commercial environment. Okay, you know certainly for uh, for advertising, it has a, a, a major impact on the mood that it's setting for a scene or for even in television and film, without question. There. Okay. So is genre sort of the most important thing to focus on? If it's classical or rock or hip hop, is that more the the big player? Historically, that would be true. And and genre is something that's very easy for us as as listeners to orient around with music. But music has become a little more difficult to define by genre in in many instances. I mean, the, the term pop music today means nothing like it did 20 years ago. It's very broad, uh, yeah. Yes, indeed. And and you know, even in genres and subgenres related to electronic music, there's there's pop elements in that. It's pretty diverse in in those regards. So I think genres is, is a very comfortable way of communicating about music, but really is is perhaps not the you know the best way to think about using music in a in a commercial environment. Uh, while I was at Soundtrack, we did a, a pretty significant study around the idea of brand fit music. And the notion with this is that brands like music have particular attributes that can be can be described. And so listening to a song, you might be able to determine 
is this a youthful song or is this a mature song? Is this organic or is it electronic? And and the same thing could be th- those types of attributes are, are able to be applied to brands as well. So we spent a fair amount of time really refining this process and, and using brand attributes to, to think about music. We did a study actually with Huey, uh, H-U-I, um, regarding the impact of music in restaurants. So we worked with a pretty significant global QSR. And What's we actually- QSR, what is that? I know sorry. you used that earlier. Yeah, sorry. No problem. Um, Using industry nomenclature, quick <laughs> serve restaurant or fast food. Okay, so QSR refers to fast food restaurants. It does, yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, so that what the study did was it, it was was over the course of you know, several months. There was a number of stores that were involved in it. The punchline here was what we wanted to measure was what was the effects of different types of music on the the environment. You know, for for anybody who's uh, a nerdy researcher, we use the Latin square method. The control really was. Um, no music. So what happens when, when there's zero music mm-hmm. inside of the environment? And then we played uh, just random, the top 1,000 tracks off of Spotify inside of the environment to see how that impacted the, the sales. And it actually, it negatively impacted uh, really? the um, the sales. It, it dropped 4.3% as a matter of fact. So, so there the- fewer sales with pop music playing in the background than there were with silence. That's correct. And that's in fast food, you said? Yep. Interesting. That is not what I would expect. No. And, and you know, the, the concept here was really like, was there any, is, is there any dissonance? Like the, the fact that it was just random popular music being played and wasn't thoughtful in regards to associating with the brand. So the two other applications that, that we tried was of that list then, we identified, you know, which, which songs do in fact share attributes with the brand. And there we saw a, a 1.2% increase in sales over no music. And then that, that took us a, one step further. There's been other research that's, that's been done around uh, song recognition or registration is what it was called in the study. And it, meaning that, can you identify the song? Do you know this, the, the song? And so what we did in the, the final application was to remove popular songs or some popular songs. So there was a blend of uh, popular and then we added songs that fit the brand, but were not as recognizable to, to the listener. So that was probably the, the, the most shocking for us is the impact that it had there. So from, uh, from the baseline, which was no music whatsoever, it actually had a 4.8% increase in sales. So the, the variance from being not paying attention to what you're putting inside of the commercial environment, inside of a fast food restaurant in this, in this particular application, there was a 9.1% delta between the two, uh, which is pretty astounding to think about you know, the fact that uh, music could, could play that, that much of an impact or have that much of an impact on, on sales. So how intensive is this process of selecting music that fits the attributes of the brand or the atmosphere that you want to convey? I mean, it sounds pretty intensive to go through and listen to each individual song and think, what are the attributes? Is this youthful? Is it not? Is it hip? Is it higher education and sophisticated? What's the process like for that? It is very in- involved and it's, you know, it's very data driven and, you know, there's uh, a lot of efforts in, in the industry around machine learning, being able to teach machines how to identify certain attributes. Of course, you need you okay. know, thousands of songs that are reviewed by human beings in order to inform the machines. But uh-huh. nonetheless, it is this type of data that's not only used for, for background music, but also, you know, Spotify, Pandora, Apple, they're, they're all using those types of systems as well. So there is some kind of algorithm that's out there that is used already. 
Yeah. And then in terms of just understanding, I think that the biggest thing is the engagement with the client in this particular instance was really understanding who they who they are as a brand and how they would describe their brand personality and what attributes are important to convey to the consumer. This is certainly true in a, you know working with agencies and working with brands from an advertising perspective. But those types of conversations are becoming more and more relevant in the background music space as well and, and being interpreted as opposed to just putting something you know, mindless on in the background. For big brands in particular, this is something that is uh, occurring regularly. Hmm. So it sounds more complex than just if you're a fast food restaurant and you want to move people through quickly, put on something fast and loud. And if you're a fine dining establishment, put on something soft and calm and slower tempo, or even just a genre. Like if this is a sophisticated high-end store or restaurant, play classical music. It sounds like it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. What you were explaining is, I think that's that's kind of the baseline and making sure that to our earlier point about not creating any sort of jarring moments of the experience where it is... Um, uh, it, it is shocking for the shopper, the guest in the environment. But there certainly is, you know, as, as there's more and more research done on this, there is more value in, in, into that brand fit. You know, I would say, though, that in addition to the brand fit, certainly operational considerations on what music should be playing, which are things like tempo and instrumentation, perhaps those those all still are certainly very valuable. Okay. So if a company was interested in having you help them put together customized playlists, how does that process work? Well, I, I'll tell you from you know, what I was referring to is in a former role, uh, my, my most recent role was Soundtrack Your Brand, who is directly in the background music space. So for, for that business, it, for, for larger brands, there's a team that do go through workshops and work directly with, with larger brands. Much of Many of those disciplines, though, have been moved on to the... Um, onto the online platform to extend that to small businesses as well. In my current role with SongTrader, you know, we, our, our focus is a bit different. However, uh, these are services that, that we do. In fact, we, we own an agency, a music agency based in London called Big Sync Music. And Big Sync is, uh, is a strategic agency looking at music across all of brand touch points, uh, largely in advertising, but it could be, a, you know, for, for broadcast, it could be for for online usage, things of that nature, and that too is very much about determining strategy and, and brand fit with what the brand is trying to convey and and who they're trying to convey it to. So it is a very active involvement. Okay. Um, do you work with smaller companies, or do you mostly work with the big behemoths that we named earlier? Netflix, Fox, Ford, Disney, that kind of. There's <clears throat> there is a combination. So we are an online marketplace. We have people who are licensing music for you in wedding videos and for personal YouTube or podcasts. Hmm. So there are licenses available and we are the connection between the buyers and sellers in the marketplace. But, you know, at one end we, you know, we have the smaller value licenses for, for those types of purposes. And then we do with Big Sync in particular, we work with, you know, major labels, major publishers, Universal, with BMG to license appropriate content. And, you know, those are typically more hands-on uh, in terms of the, you know, human in- involvement. Those are not often things at that particular scale that would necessarily be done online, but we have a range of abilities in, in regards to licensing content. Okay. And in terms of the artists that you work with, 
It sounds like you have a really vast spectrum of musicians in terms of global, like everywhere, located geographically and probably ranges in experience. For sure. Yeah. And we've brought on some amazing artists uh, and producers just even in the last month. Tech Nine is an artist that just signed to the platform, and and you know worth noting from a from a seller perspective or from a music maker perspective, uh, we are a non exclusive platform, so we don't require that there's exclusivity for for representation for artists that want to have their music in television, film, and, and advertising. We've just added Tech Nine to create digital, anonymous, fantastic sources of content. We do have some higher end content that is available, particularly as the community is growing, and we have a lot of artists that were doing distribution to all the big streaming platforms like Apple and Spotify, Pandora, etc. You know, these are the, the smaller DIY emerging artists and, and we're giving them opportunity not only to distribute their music to the masses, uh, but to be considered for presenting their music to buyers from the sync space, which are the, the agencies and television, film, music supervisors. Hmm, that's pretty cool. If a listener is an emerging artist, they want to expand their reach. What would you recommend that they do? Easiest thing to do is just to log on to songtrader.com. For clarity, songtrader is spelled S-O-N-G-T-R-A-D-R. Good idea to clarify that, yeah. Songtrader.com is the website. There's tools available there to upload content, to use us for distribution. Pretty self-explanatory, and and we guide through the process. We do clarify ownership around it on the licensing part. It is a very, very critical part of what we facilitate is making sure that we understand ownership of the music. And we would need another hour and a half to to break into that, but it uh, (laughs) it, uh, does most of the right people. Yeah. Well, and I understand for your improv segment, which is our try this at home hack and experiment for listeners related to enhancing life with music, your improv that you selected is sort of a public service announcement. Tell us what you had in mind with that. What I guess the request would be is building familiarity around music licensing. Again, we could devote a lot of time to this. But to get to the punchline, less than 10% of business in the US, and this has been validated with a number of studies, but less than 10% of small businesses, I should clarify, actually pay for music appropriately. And licensing, that's a, it's a lifeline for artists. And mm-hmm. so the music used in a, in a commercial environment, there, there are certain fees that need to be paid for that for public exploitation. It's income for the artists. And oftentimes the rebuttal will be, well, Jay-Z and Beyonce don't need any more money. They, they're fine. It's really not about Jay-Z and Beyonce. It's, it's about those who are blue collar working musicians that are really writing songs and composing songs that are looking for the ability to continue to work their craft. And this is a way for them to be able to support themselves with money mm-hmm. uh, with, from public performance. Mm-hmm. Well, and what a neat way to be able to do that, to have real original music playing in your workplace that's tailor-made for the environment that you have. Absolutely. Hmm. How many different artists do you work with? We have about 400,000 artists on platform as of this moment. Those are artists who have signed directly to the platform. We've now gone over a million tracks, and it's growing pretty significantly. Wow. Great. We end each episode with a coda, a song or a story of a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have something that you can share with us about a moment when music enhanced your life? Yeah, it was interesting. Last night I was listening to this on on a flight and the song happened to come up and it reminds me a lot of how much I actually 
felt it uh, at, at the moment that I heard it live. So this was a few years back. My daughter and I were volunteering for a nonprofit who streams live music events into hospitalized children. And we were, um, the, the organization is called Melodic Caring Project. So we we're heading to the club. It was the night after the presidential election. There was a lot of unrest and, and pretty heavy. I think we kind of all remember that moment. And then as we were walking into the club just moments before we walked in, there was a shooting just, just a, a block away from the show. And so it was very, very heavy. And, um, you know, just remember being on edge the entire night. And when Andrea Day took the stage, well into her, her event, she played her, her hit Rise Up. And um, it, it literally moved me to tears uh, in, in that moment. And I think there was a lot of other people in the, in, in the audience that night. So whenever I hear that song, it just it, it takes me back to, to the fact that it's really an anthem of winning or, or um, you know, overcoming, overcoming moments. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that would be a really powerful experience. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And thanks for your time today. It was really interesting hearing about Song Trader and the effect that music has on us in our retail environment. Uh, I'll definitely be paying more attention next time I'm shopping or eating in a restaurant. I'll be paying more attention to the type of music that's playing. And if you're paying too much attention, it's probably wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. This week in the United States, we celebrate Thanksgiving on Thursday. It's a day to reflect on and give thanks for the blessings in our lives. For a lot of Americans, this holiday involves lots of family, possibly friends, and food. I am thinking that if background music can affect our behavior so much in stores and restaurants, it probably can also really affect our Thanksgiving gatherings. If you're hosting Thanksgiving this year, it would be really interesting to experiment with playing slower tempo background dinner music that is calming and see if people tend to linger a little more and draw out the pleasure of the holiday. And if the group you are hosting is not particularly enjoyable, you could experiment with fast music and uncomfortable seating and see if that moves people through faster. If you try any experiments, let me know the results. Today's listener improv comes from Rich, who says, with four teenagers in our house, we've realized that music can be a great way to regulate the mood in the house. When one or more of our teenagers get crabby, I'll say, it's time for some white snake. That lightens the mood. It's hard to be crabby with the music playing. This improv kind of goes along with the same theme. Thank you, Rich. Great idea. And I'll take it a step further and say this is a great strategy when parents get crabby too. (laughs) If I find that I or my husband are feeling a little grouchy, the right kind of music really can smooth the atmosphere a bit and just lighten things up. Send me your improv, a try this at home experiment or hack, a practical concrete way you enhance life with music. I would love to hear from you. Leave a comment on my website, mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. Comment on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or send me an email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com. The Thanksgiving holiday kicks off a time of year that is a natural time to turn our attention to gift ideas for our loved ones. 
or ourselves, if someone is asking us for gift ideas, there is a chance this week for a listener to win a gift card from Schmidt Music. Schmidt is a music store headquartered here in the Twin Cities with stores in seven states. It has been family owned since it started in the late 1800s, which is quite remarkable. Also remarkable are the investments that Schmidt makes in their store's local communities. There was a marching band championship, youth and music, last month at the U.S. Bank Stadium here in Minneapolis where the Vikings play. There were about 10 states represented at the event. And shout out to my city's high school, Eden Prairie, who came in second in the championship. Go Eagles! But I just found out that Schmidt Music is one of the sponsors of this event. So thank you to Schmidt for their sponsorship of this event. It's just one of many ways they give back to the community and enhance lives with music. Another way they've done this is by offering a $10 gift card to a listener this week. To be entered into the gift card drawing, share Enhance Life with Music podcast on Facebook or Instagram or write a review in whatever podcast app you use. Email a screenshot of your share or review to Mindy at mpetersonmusic.com by the end of the day this Sunday, December 1st, to be entered in the drawing. A Schmidt gift card makes a great stocking stuffer or teacher gift. If you are interested in other musical gift ideas, check out the gift guide that I posted on my website, There are ideas on there that will inspire and create memories with music. I don't receive any compensation or commission for these items. They're just some fun things that caught my eye. One of my favorites is an ukulele. These are carried by Schmidt. In fact, they have an entire wall of them. I'm including a picture in the show notes because some of them are so cute that I kind of want one just to hang on my wall because I know I will smile every time I look at it. They start at $40 and go up from there. And you can learn more about the wonders of the ukulele by listening to episode five, Why is the Ukulele So Popular? If you are thinking about buying an instrument in time for Christmas, heads up that Schmidt Music does have its biggest instrument sale of the year coming up on December 14. You can find out more in this episode's show notes located at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 18 or by visiting Schmidt's website. Thank you so much for listening today, for sharing and reviewing the show, and for sharing your tips on how you enhance life with music. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.